Hello and welcome to Progressive Devilry. I'm Stella. And I'm Andrew. For our first episode, we decided to discuss the first steps that states can take to consider a viable third party. Right now, we only have two viable parties, the Republicans and the Democrats. It seems most of us agree that both parties are corrupt, with very few exceptions. So how do we go about incorporating a third party that actually represents the will of the people and not their special interests? The biggest barrier to a third party tends to be the fear of wasting your vote. We hear every election that a third party only pulls votes from the viable parties, that by voting for a third party, our vote is being thrown away. It can make it so the party you align most with, though maybe doesn't actually represent you, ends up with less votes because of it. The partisan representatives refer to this as splitting the vote. You've probably heard these phrases before, and it may mean that you feel like your voice doesn't matter, so you just don't vote, and that's a huge problem in a democracy. It's why, during the 2020 presidential election, we had the highest voter turnout in over 100 years, and yet it was still only 66.3% of eligible voters. It's pretty awful that more than 30% of eligible voters don't feel like their voice matters, or have a significant barrier to vote due to racial inequity. The good news is there's actually a pretty easy solution for those that feel like their voice doesn't matter. It's already active in some states. It's called Ranked Choice Voting, RCV, and there's actually a bill going through the Washington State House of Representatives right now to approve RCV for city and county use. Substitute House Bill 1156. This won't change the very real barriers to voting that some states have, like a lack of polling places, gerrymandering, or the money it costs to get a state-issued ID. These are still issues that will not be solved overnight. However, ranked choice voting could mean getting the representation needed to make voting more equitable for every eligible voter. If you don't know what ranked choice voting is, you're not alone, and it's really simple. We can use the 2016 presidential election as an example. You may have heard Democrats decry Jill Stein or Gary Johnson, who ran as third-party candidates for the Green and Libertarian Party, respectively. Democrats seem to put all the blame of losing the 2016 election on the third-party candidates who stole votes from them. You may have also heard your friends say that they voted for Steiner Johnson as a protest vote because both of the main party candidates were deeply corrupt. Those are all valid points from a two-party voting system. But what if I told you that using ranked-choice voting meant that none of that happened? Your vote would always count. It works like this. Of the popular vote, Clinton had 49%, Trump had 47%, Johnson had 3%, and Stein had 1%. I'm dropping Evan McMullen and the other candidates for ease of example, and the fact that he and the others got less than 1% of the vote. So if you're looking at the ballot, instead of only picking one person, you rate them from one to four. One being your top pick, four being the person you want least in the White House, now, it's hard to say who would have voted either way in 2016, but based on how the popular vote went, we can assume in the swing states, it was pretty well split down the middle. When votes are tallied, the lowest voted candidate is dropped, and those votes go to the second choice associated on those ballots. For example, since Jill Stein received only 1% of the popular vote, her votes would have been retallied for the second choice listed by the voters. That's a redistribution of your voice. So no vote is wasted. 
Let's say each ballot was split perfectly down the middle for the remaining three candidates. Those votes are reallocated and the popular vote retallied. Each remaining candidate receives another nearly 500,000 votes. Or conversely, if the Democrats were right, and all or nearly all the second choice votes were for Clinton, then that's an additional 1.5 million votes for her. Next would be the third ranked popular vote, Gary Johnson. He still had less votes than the other two. So anyone who voted for Stein, but had been reallocated with the first drop to Johnson, would then move to the third ranked candidate to be reallocated again. No matter who you voted for, your vote still counts against the person you do not want. That's really what it comes down to. Voting whoever you don't want down the list. This may or may not have affected the final electoral vote, which is a whole other issue that we may address in a separate episode. We can't know for sure who the third party candidates would have picked as a second option. In some cases, the distances between votes in swing states like Michigan was only 0.3%. So even if a mere 0.5% more of the vote from those third-party candidates went to Clinton, she would have had more electoral votes. That's pure speculation, because for all we know, without the fear of throwing away your vote, it's possible more people would have voted for Stein or Johnson, and we could have had a third-party president over this last term. That's what is really beautiful about ranked choice voting. It gives smaller parties a chance to participate. You no longer have to fear voting for a small party will cause the bigger evil to win. Absolutely. It's completely negating the existence of the lesser evil voting practices that most people are forced into. You may be wondering why the U.S. hasn't had it in the past. Well, actually, we did. We had ranked choice voting between 1912 and 1930, but it was repealed. For the most part, Congress only allowed two parties to be considered for the ballot during that time in order to keep third parties from being viable, which completely negated the actual point of RCV. Coincidentally, that was also the Progressive Party's heyday. <laughs> That's true. And if you're wondering why we don't have a Progressive Party today that competes with Republicans and Democrats, that's actually the subject of our next episode. It is, but what you need to know right now is that ranked choice voting is a clear pathway to alternatives to Democrats and Republicans. Yes, and something we can all agree on is that we need representation that actually represents us. No more of this lesser evil voting nonsense. Vote for who represents you without fear that your voice won't be heard. This is by no means going to fix our broken system. There are so many more things we need to do so we can lance the corruption that has plagued our democracy for way too long. There's still the problematic prevalence of lobbyists, dark money, lying representatives and senators, among so many more. But it's a really great place to start. So check out the Washington House Bill 1156 and tell us what you think. They've added some barriers that I think may make it hard to get the cities and counties on board. Not the least of which is finding funding to design a new ballot. One of the biggest hurdles may just be getting it passed in the House. That's true, but it's there. So 
I guess what we all need to do is contact our representatives and senators. Make sure they know that we want ranked choice voting. The bill doesn't include state voting yet, but that could easily be an amendment in the future when cities and counties get the wheels turning. If you're curious about the bill, there's an informational website, fairvotewa.org. There's actually a link on the main page to comment on the bill itself on the legislative website. So you can send your support directly to your representatives. It only takes a minute. You enter your address or an address in your district if you'd rather not send your direct address. This looks up your representatives for you by that address, so you can send them a quick or long note in regards to the bill. And if you aren't sure who your representatives are and want to know more about them, check out our tools page at progressivedevilry.com tools. Everything you need or want to know is there, with links to easily find out nearly anything else you're curious about. We'd love to see pictures of your letters, phone calls, and texts on Instagram or Facebook. Tag us at Progressive Devilry or on Twitter at Progress Devilry. That's it from us for now. Thanks for tuning in and remember to hashtag devil your reps. And hashtag devil your senators. Until next time, let's make progress. Hit that subscribe button to stay updated with us. And any sources we've used in today's episode are below or are available on our website at progressivedevilry.com.